He's like, there's been a terrible car accident. Everyone's dead except one person. You, you heard of the stages of grief. I drop my phone. I'm crying. I'm rolling on the ground. And I'm just flipping through all of them. Anger, denial, shock, bargaining. I'm full of so much pain and agony and regret and survivor's guilt. The minute I started doing public speaking and podcasting and helping other people, the minute I forgot about me and started trying to connect and help other people, dude, that like saved me, man. The car accident with my family is meaningless. I think life in general is pointless. It's meaningless, it has no meaning. It's up to you to give it meaning. It's up to you. Like, you have to get off your ass, figure out what you want to achieve, sacrifice to achieve that thing, and give your life meaning. Hey, Mason, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, man. You have no idea. So thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm excited today to unlock your secret success formula and translate your expertise into an action-based playbook for our listeners. So thanks again. Dude, that sounds intense, dude. I don't know if I have all of that, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure you do. What, all right. What's interesting is everybody has a formula for success, you know, what makes them who they are. And I think you actually have a superpower that most of us either don't realize we have if we ever need to call on it, or I just frankly don't think I have it. So, um, you know, I, I interview a lot of people in different walks of life, but I was most both anxious, excited, and nervous for today's interview with you, but just because of the emotional side. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, you know, obviously we read your bio at the beginning. Take us back, if you don't mind. Just walk me through young Mason. Describe your childhood. Dude, like, <clears throat> I love Michael Jordan. So I was watching basketball. I love basketball. I'd, like, pick up a ball. I was the youngest of five kids. And my mom would just like, yeah, you just love basketball. You'd pick up a ball and you'd dribble. And it got to the point where you'd dribble in the house so much where you'd you'd break the light bulbs in the basement below us. Like, I had to tell you, like, stop dribbling in the house. <laughs> so I just love basketball, dude. And I, and I remember I was watching a, a jazz game because I'm from Utah. So I was watching a jazz game with my dad one day. And I'll, he points at the TV and he says, Mason, you see that guy? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's the best basketball player that's ever lived. And it was Michael Jordan that he's pointing at. I was going to ask you if it was Carl Malone. <laughs> no, it wasn't the mailman. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, like, ever since he said that, I just loved MJ. And so I'd, like, tell my mom, like, shave my head. Like, I just want to be MJ, man. And so I'd be in my driveway every day playing hoops. Um, and did, you, I, did you stick your tongue out? The whole thing, dude. Okay. You name it. I had the Bulls gear, the tongue, everything, dude. Um. And I remember my big dream, like every other kid's dream who loves basketball, is I want to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember, and I was pretty good growing up, dude. Like, I was good. And then I remember we went to Florida for, like, the national championship tournament thing, and I just got my ass kicked. Like, it was like a wake-up call. I remember leaving Florida, like, I don't think I'm going to the NBA. <laughs> but I remember thinking like... How old were you? Dude, I was probably like... I was seventh, eighth grade. I was young. Like, my dreams were shattered young. <laughs> Not, well, but it was a good experience. Early. Good experience, but a little early. And uh, and I remember I was... I, 
it was literally the first time in my life where I struggled on the court. Like, I just didn't feel like I was good, which was really weird because I usually just was, kick ass. Kinda. Was it nerves or was it the talent? No, it was just strictly the talent and the athleticism and the size. I mean, dude, we were, we were doing warm-ups and they were dunking. Yeah. Like, you guys, are you guys 12? <laughs> like, that's not. And so I remember my dad telling, my, I remember telling my dad, I was so frustrated and disappointed in myself. I'm like, Dad, like, I don't know if I can go to the NBA and this and that. And he, I'm like, my dad told me, he's like, Mason, like, I don't know. All I know is watching you play from that tournament, like, you have a lot of work to do. Like, you need to get better. Mm-hmm. And that's just how my dad was. No excuses. Like, it wasn't the ref's fault. It wasn't my coach's fault. He's like, yeah, you got to get better. But, dude, I remember I, I left Florida. I'm like, I'm not going to the NBA, but maybe I can play college ball. So that was my new goal. And, and luckily, I, I worked hard enough, and I was able – to make it to college basketball. So I played for Dixie State, which is in southern Utah. And that was my life. Dude, 5'10", white kid from Utah. Chances of playing college basketball aren't good. So pass first point guard or shooting? I was a pass first, pass first point guard for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I could shoot it a little bit. but So when you came home from Florida, dreams crushed. Yeah. Changed from NBA <laughs> to college. Yeah. What did you do to say, okay, this is what I need to work on? Because obviously well, you clearly well, had... I remember, uh, dude, I remember my parents like, you got to get a job this summer. And I hated it. I'm making, like, these cold calls, like, as a 15-year-old kid. I'm like, this sucks. What were you selling? I don't even remember. <laughs> I was like, but you have to make 85 calls a day. I'm like, this is torture, dude. Anyway, so we go to a basketball tournament, and I just don't tell my job that I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm just not telling them in hopes that I get fired. I'm like, I hope you fire my ass because I hate working here. I'm like this 15-year-old kid. <laughs> So I, I go to Denver, I do this basketball tournament, I come back, my mom drops me off, I go in, sure enough, fired. Like, my tow tray's cleared out, my my phone set is gone. So I call my mom, I'm like, Mom, I'm fired. I'm like laughing, like, I'm fired, you gotta pick me up. She's like, this is not funny. But I remember, my mom picked me up, and I told my parents, I'm like, listen, I'm not gonna have a job, drop me off at the rec center, I will practice my ass off, I'll get my college paid for, I will, like, mm-hmm. I'll get a scholarship. And that's what happened. Like, okay. So they left me alone, and I worked my ass off, and I got good enough to get a basketball scholarship to Dixie State. So what was the program? D2, D2 school. No, no, no. The training program. Drop oh, you off. How, yeah. Dude, I like. I want to get into what, what, what made you successful. So, Oh, man. We, I, I don't know how, how many rabbit holes you want to go down, but. We'll go where we go. Dude, so like. Fast forward, I later became a skills trainer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd work with high school and college players, like basketball skill development. I, I developed a passion for that. And, dude, like, it's honestly like 90% a scam. It really is. Like, parents, players, you don't need a basketball trainer. You really, honest to God, don't. I mean, it helps. Sure. But you, you just got to work your ass off. You on, And I remember I became, a, I became a, a high school basketball coach. I'll never forget it, dude. I told my team, I'm like, hey— I'll be school starts at 7:30 a.m. Like, hey, I'll be here every morning at 6 a.m. You guys can shoot, you can get shots up, you can lift, because that's what I'm doing. I'm lifting. That's what I was doing. So if you guys want to come and enjoy me, please do. Mm-hmm. Dude, no one showed up. No one. No, they didn't. And and it was the as a head basketball coach before our season started. I'm like, we're screwed. <laughs> like the head coach can't be the hardest working guy in the program. I'm like, we're done. It was the most frustrating <laughs> thing, dude. There's no secret formula. There's really not. You have to work your ass off. That, what do they say? Hard work beats talent when talent, when talent doesn't work hard. Like, right. that is so true, man. And obviously, like, we're born with, like, 
Like biologically, we're born different with different strengths and weaknesses. I get that. Like we're not all, no, like not a lot of people are born six foot eight like LeBron. I get it. But dude, like whatever it is, sports, business, like you, ha- like you have to sacrifice and work your ass off. And that's what I did as a little kid. I gave up. I sacrificed stuff. I gave up fun weekends with my buddies, mm-hmm. and I was in the gym getting shots up. That was the sac- That was the thing. How many days a week were you training? Every. Every day? Every day. Except Sunday. My parents wouldn't let me do Sunday. Yep. We were religious, so, like, no Sundays. But other than that, dude, I remember we'd go on family vacation. I'd get paranoid. Like, how can I practice if we're on family vacation? Mm-hmm. So every day <laughs> it was you a were problem. touching a ball. Yeah, for sure. If you had a game on Sunday, could you play? I, yeah, I would have. You would have played? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Your parents would have been okay with it? I don't, not my, no, probably not. <laughs> what about in college? I don't think I ever played on Sunday. No tournaments? I... Maybe we did. I don't mm-hmm. remember very well okay. now, but I don't know. But um, so that was my life. Mm-hmm. I loved ball. I get this scholarship. In high school, though, I meet this girl, and I, I just fall for this girl, which is weird because, like, basketball is my girlfriend. Like, I don't want girlfriends. Mm-hmm. First girlfriend? First girlfriend, dude. 15. Her name's Courtney. Mm-hmm. Just, like, we get along so good. You know what I mean? Like, and so we date for a while. Um, and then we get married. And actually, our senior year in high school, we we won the award at our last school dance. We actually got the award most likely to marry your high school sweetheart. Like that's who we were. Like it was inseparable. It, yeah, it was. Everyone kind of got it. Like mm-hmm. it's Mason and Courtney. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up getting married. And uh, so I play basketball at Dixie State. My wife Courtney goes to the nursing program there, and it's kind of a perfect setup. Like we get school paid for. We graduate with no debt. You got married before you went to college. Yeah, I got married, dude. How much? How long is this podcast? How do you? <laughs> Dude, so I grew up, dude. Okay, let's make a long story short. So I married Courtney. She got in the nursing program. I played basketball there. Because I, I grew up in the LDS church. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with that. I mean, I know it from an outsider. Okay, so like I, I, I served like bit, I served but... like an LDS mission. And my wife, Courtney, waited for me for two years and wrote me three letters a week. Where'd you go? I went to Alabama, Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. You like college football? I do. My my oldest oh. daughter is. I'm taking her next week to visit Alabama. Okay. She got accepted. She hasn't seen it okay, yet. Okay, so you're going to Tuscaloosa. Flying to Birmingham, okay. driving to Tuscaloosa. Dude, let me give you some pointers right away. Please. Dreamland Barbecue. Okay. You have to go. It's in Tus- the, the. What do I order there? You don't have a lot of options, dude. Oh. This is real barbecue. Your options are baby back ribs and banana pudding, and I suggest you get both. <laughs> this is delicious, dude. Let me send you a picture. It. Please do. Dreamland, Dreamland barbecue. barbecue in Tuscaloosa. You will not regret it. What else? That's all I got for you. Okay, that's it, <laughs> dude. They are wild, dude. I, I. So we teach about Jesus, yeah. And then like, hey, let's end with a prayer. These Alabama fans, I kid you not, dude. They'd pray for Nick Saban. I, <laughs> I am not making this up. They would li- serious, like, hey, thanks for our blessings. Please bless Nick Saban. <laughs> like, dude, it, I'm like, what is going on? These people are awesome. <laughs> Um, dude, anyway, so I serve this LES mission. Courtney waits for me two years. Like, what? She stays back? Yeah, so she stays back. She's in She's in the nursing program. She's in the nursing program. She's going to school, and she waits for me, dude, which is honestly, like, kind of unheard of. Mm-hmm. Like, who waits for a guy for two years? That's a long time. So I get back from this mission. We get married. And, like, Jeff, like, you're married. You have kids. You get you get this. Like, I don't want to act like we had a perfect marriage because I'm not a – I was not a perfect husband. I made mistakes. But, dude, like, it was pretty – it was so good, man. We had a beautiful marriage, beautiful kids. So Courtney and I, we had three kids, Riggins, 
Blue, and Frankie. We're from Utah, dude, so we name our kids weird things. <laughs> Blue's not even name. It was a color. But what are you going to do? And um, so, like, we have this beautiful family. After I graduate Dixie State, I actually, we actually moved back up to my hometown, and I become the head basketball coach at my old high school, which is super cool. And we're, you know, Courtney and I and our kids, we're just loving life, dude. And, dude, high school teachers don't make any money. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I have three kids. Like, I need money. Is she nursing or is she at home? Courtney works, like, at this point, Courtney's working like two days a week at home and then just watching the kids. So basically a stay-at-home mom. So on the side, I start doing basketball workouts. Like, I start training players. And it kind of it kind of turns into, like, the side hustle becomes, like, your main hustle. Like, man, I'm making mm-hmm. this, like a good chunk of change with the side hustle doing this basketball training. And then one day, Jeff, like, these dudes from southern Utah where I played college basketball, which I think that's where they kind of knew me from, they call me up one day, and they're like, hey, Mace, so-and-so from Nets on Fire, we want you to come be our main skills trainer guy. And we want you to help put together AAU teams and travel and coach. So your dream job, basically. Dude, it was my dream. Minus the jazz calling you to come coach the, <laughs> the Utah Jazz. For sure, dude. And, like, I tell Courtney, she's like, what? I'm like, yeah. So we move our family. So we move back to St. George, Southern Utah. Mm-hmm. How and old Co- are you right now? Uh, when we move back? Yeah. I'm like 30. Okay. Um, <clears throat> This is pretty recent. Mm-hmm. I'm 32. Yep. And so I tell Courtney, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we move back. We take our kids back to southern Utah. And, dude, one of my favorite things about moving back to southern Utah is my older brother races there. And we were seven years apart, and we just weren't super close in our childhood. So you're the fifth one I'm of the, five. I'm the youngest of five. Is he's he, the middle. He's the middle. We're like seven years apart. Okay. And I love – you know, I, do you have any other – Sister. Older. Yeah, so you get it. Like – Love my brother, but I always wish we were a little closer. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big we, gap, seven years. Yeah, 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 like, for sure. Just hard. Yeah. And so I remember we moved back to St. George, and my brother Race lived there. So now we're hanging out. All, dude, it was so cool, man. Did you guys live near each other? Yeah, and his youngest son, Ryder, would babysit my kids when we went to work. It was perfect. We had, How like, the perfect system. Uh, Ryder, Race's youngest kid, was 12. Okay. Yeah. So... I take this new job. Courtney gets a new nursing job that she loves. Everything's clicking, dude. And the next weekend is family reunion with my side of the family. We usually do it every year. I'm a big family guy. Like, I love my family. Usually go every year. Like, no sweat. We don't even think about it. Like, yeah, family reunion, we're in. But this year, like, I just took this new job, and I feel like I can't just take this job and then leave the first weekend. I got to show these guys that I'm legit and I'm serious and I'm I'm here. Like, I'm committed. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I tell my family, like, hey, Courtney and I, we, we just can't make it. I'm sorry. And they're like, yeah, we get it. Everything is fine. And then that Friday rolls around and my wife, Courtney, is like, hey, Mace, like, you're going to be coaching all weekend. I'm, I'm going to have three kids. I'm just going to take them to the family reunion. We'll be back Sunday. I'm like, yeah, if you want to drive and do it, like, fine, that's fine. And then my brother Race is like, hey, uh, I want to – it's the same family. So Race is like, I'm going to the family reunion. Like, I'm like, yeah, just ride with my family. And so Ray, my brother Race and his youngest son, Ryder, um, went with my family to the family reunion. 
my brother's wife, Keisha, and their other two kids, Ran and Faith, couldn't go. So they stayed in St. George with, with me. Um, and the, so, so they leave, and um, this, that, that Sunday coming back, they're driving back from northern Utah to southern Utah. And, like, um, sandstorm kicks up in Fillmore, Utah. And I like I try to stay away from the details of the accident, so I honestly don't know a whole lot about it because from I don't know, there's just some things I don't want to know. Yeah. I'm not ready to know yet. I'm not strong enough to know yet. Um, but they're driving back and a dust storm kicks up out of nowhere, causes like a from what I've been told, like a black just a black wall just engulfs this highway and causes a 22 car pileup just like a nasty thing and it, it <clears throat> the accident kills eight people total and five of those people are my family and dude like jeff i think the hardest thing i had to handle before this was like are the jazz going to cover the spread tonight like that, honestly, like I don't even remember what I worried about. So I, I remember I'm I'm in St. George, Utah, and it's getting close because Courtney called me when she left Fillmore when she's about two hours away. She's like, hey, be home in a little bit. Love you. See you. Like, okay, love you too. And um, so I'm sitting at at my at my house in St. George, Utah, and it should be like the time where they're home and they're not home yet. And my brother's wife, Keisha, calls me. And she's like, hey, Mace, have you heard from Courtney or Race or anyone? I'm like, no, I haven't. And she's like, I called him. I'm getting no response. I'm getting worried. I'm like, Keisha, I'm sure it's fine. Like, they're just running late traffic, whatever. She's like, okay. So I hang up with her, and I call Courtney right after, straight to voicemail, which is weird. Call my brother, Race, straight to voicemail. And I'm like, dang, that's weird. I'm literally just like kind of looking at my phone, like just thinking, and my phone rings, and it's an unknown number, and so I answer it. It's like, hey, I'm Dr. So-and-so from Fillmore, Utah. And all, like I just talked to my brother, my brother's wife, Keisha. So I all, right off the bat, I'm like, doctor, like this isn't good. He's like, there's been a car accident, so I'm like, oh, shit. So I, I put him on speaker, and I text Keisha, my brother's wife. I'm like, hey. There's been a car accident. Come get me. And I asked Keisha to come get me because my wife took the car. I All I have is my motorcycle. I don't even have a car. And in my mind, like my unconscious mind went to worst case scenario. And Jeff, for me, worst case scenario is my wife and my brother are hurt at the hospital, laying in a hospital bed. The kids are in the hallway scared. Yep. Like that's where my mind went. So I text Keisha that, I'm like, hey, come get me. We got to go to this hospital. And then the guy keeps talking, and, and he's taking a while to tell me what's going on, Jeff. And I think he's taking a while because he's about to tell me the worst news. So he's making sure it's the right guy. Like, hey, this is Mason Sawyer. And I think there's a lot of confusion from the first responders because I think they originally thought it was one family. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, sh like this is actually maybe two separate families. So anyway, he's asking me questions like, are you the owner of the Buick? Are you the – and I'm like – and finally, I'm like, dude, what is going on? He's like, there's been a terrible car accident. Everyone's dead except one person. 
And so I just fall to the ground. And you you heard of the stages of grief, like acceptance, denial, bargaining, anger. Yeah. I was, dude, I, and it's how I am today. Like it hasn't changed. I just flipped through the, I just started, I dropped my phone. I'm crying, I'm rolling on the ground, and I'm just flipping through all of them. Anger, denial, shock, bargaining. Dude, have you ever listened to a grown man bargain for his kid? Like, it's the saddest thing, dude. Bargain. I was doing all of them. Mm -hmm. Just flipping through them, five seconds, it is not good. But every once in a while, I'd have the acceptance guy, like the survival guy. He would step in and he's like, hey, you need to pick up the phone. He's still on the phone. So the doctor's on the phone. I'm crying. And the doctor's, so I pick up the phone. And in my head, I just hear like one survivor, one survivor. So my mind like automatically starts flipping through all of them. Like who, who is it? Who do I want it to be? As I stare at my phone. Mm-hmm. And dude, if you know anything about my brother race, like dude, my brother race was just a little um, nuts. Like, he was a state champion wrestler. He just, like, kind of, like, liked pain. He got into MMA fighting. He's just weird, dude. Yeah. Just like a weird guy. And race is the type of guy, like, if you tell me someone's one survivor of a 22-car pileup, my mind went to my brother. Like, oh, sh- like it's going to be my brother. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up this phone, and he's going to say, the survivor is your brother. And, dude... That meant if my brother's survivor, my whole family's gone. Yeah. And I've had so much shame and guilt about this, but I, I remember picking up the phone like, please don't be race. Please don't be race. And I feel so bad about that. Like, how can you wish your brother to be dead? But, like, the situation I was in, like, I I wanted it to be my wife or one of my kids. I honestly, God did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pick up the phone. There's and, no guilt to that. I mean, that's the impossible. And question. you know what, Jeff? Like, you, you at like part of your podcast is your 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 recipe of success. Success formula. Success formula, dude. Let let me just before I forget because I have a terrible brain. I just forget shit all the time. So before I forget, let me tell you, like, we all have something we need to say. Mm-hmm. you have something you need to say to someone that you haven't yet and you're hurting really bad. We all have that and we don't say it and we don't say it because we're scared to not, I don't know why we don't say it. Honestly, we're scared to be vulnerable. We're scared to look weak. We're scared to accept those things. But dude, like part of my success formula is talking. I just talk to people, dude. And the podcast that I created with my buddy, like, it is literally therapy for me. I get on there and I just unload all my shit and I just talk and it makes me feel so much better. Was that clear to you before the accident? No. And one of the reasons I bring it up is the thing, the guilt I had about my brother race used to really eat at me, dude. Like, like let, let's say it used to be 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. Now, because I've told it to so many people and I've told it to my therapist and I've talked openly about my pain and my guilt and my shame honestly it's gone from a 10 to like a five or a four Mm -hmm. but you freed it yeah as an entrepreneur i know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me 
And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. And I, I honestly can't even explain how it helps or why it helps, but being vulnerable and opening up and just expressing my pain and then watching it connect to other people has really helped me, man. Like I'm because some the two biggest feelings I experienced after the accident was I felt completely alone and I felt completely helpless. Like what can like it's like what can I do to get him back? Name it. I'll do it. There's nothing. It's yeah. I just feel powerless. And like Opening up and talking about my pain, I've been able to connect to so many other people that feel that way. And it's really liberating and amazing, honestly. Um, <clears throat> so I pick up the phone, and he said the survivor's a three-year-old. So I fall, I fall back down to the ground. Phone, I drop my phone, and the whole thing starts over again. I start rolling around the ground crying. My wife, Courtney, has gone. Now you know. Yeah, like... The survivor of the three-year-olds. Courtney's gone. My brother Race is gone. My nephew Ryder's gone. My young, my oldest son Riggins is gone. And so the guy tells, and dude, like, Jeff, like, if we got a, a, a recording of that phone call, I might be completely wrong. Like, he may have told me step-by-step, step, perfect, what happened. But I was so messed up. I was going through it, and I just didn't. It was probably my fault. But, like, for whatever reason, he, as he's telling me this, it's between my son, Blue, and my daughter, Frankie. Because Frankie could be mistaken as three, and Blue could be mistaken as three. And I want both of them to be alive. Yeah. And so my mind's like, well, I can't let anyone go yet. I can't. So, like, for some reason, as we keep talking on this phone call, as I pick the phone back up and I'm trying to fight through the tears, for some reason, I think it's my daughter, Frankie. I just remember thinking that, like, the survivor is Frankie. And so I tell the guy on the phone, I'm confident enough. I tell the guy on the phone, like, oh, you're talking about my daughter, Frankie. And he said, no, this is not a girl. This is a boy. He's got blonde hair, blue eyes. And my son, Blue, has blonde hair and blue eyes. So, like, Jeff, like, you have kids. Imagine this, like, I'm thinking Blue is dead. He's gone with my son, Riggins, and everyone else. And then you're telling me, like, Blue's alive. Like, it was like, it was the most incredible feeling. Like, Blue's actually alive. So you actually, for a moment, had. Yeah, like, I thought Blue was gone. A relief. Yeah, and for a split second, I'm like, oh my gosh, Blue's alive. But, dude, it was like <clears throat> the exact same moment. Like, that means Frankie is gone. And that crossover messed me up really good man like getting blue back and then loop meaning what that meant for frank it was it just like 
So he tells me he has blonde hair, blue eyes. <clears throat> and um, so I say, okay, I think that's my son, Blue. And I'm not doing good. I'm not taking this news well. So the one survivor, he said one survivor. I don't know if that meant total, like all 22 cars. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if it was from my car. I don't even know if it's my kid for sure. But they say they have blonde hair, blue eyes. We're life flighting him to the uh, hospital in Salt Lake City. And like, so we're life flighting him. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, like Mason, everyone else in the car is dead. The one survivor, they're life flighting. So in my mind, I'm like having this conversation with myself, like, he's not going to be okay. You pull this kid from a car that everyone else is dead. You have to life light him. Is he missing limbs? Is he going to, is he, I don't know what can, I'm just freaking out, dude. You don't even know if the doctor said anything to you. And I'm sure he did. And like, I have the doctors back. I'm not mad at at anyone. I'm sure it was me just not hearing it well. But like, I'm like, okay. So then I have to call my parents and tell them what's going on. Because they live about 45 minutes away from the hospital that Blue's going to. So I'm like, hey, can you get to the hospital so when Blue lands, someone's there for Blue? Because I'm four hours away. So I have to drive four hours to the hospital. And I have to drive through the car accident to get there. It's just, like, it's just not good, dude. And so <clears throat> I, I, uh, I get to the hospital. And my wife's a nurse. So I get to the hospital and I just walk through a building of nurses. It's the whole thing. It just felt like. So I make it to the room and uh, Blue's there, dude. My son Blue's there and he has a neck brace on, but it's just for precaution. Like he has a couple scratches on his head. He had a broken hand, and that was it. Like he was 100% totally okay. And we spent the night in the hospital, and then we walked out the next day. Did your sister-in-law pick you up? Dude, so, like, my sister-in-law, Keisha, because I called her, like, hey, come pick me up. And we live in an apartment complex at the time. And so my sister-in-law, Keisha, she knows where the apartment complex is, but she doesn't know the specific one. So I have to make it to the main road so I can find Keisha. And it was like, dude, it was like a dramatic... Like, every 10 feet, I'd just collapse and cry, smack the pavement, scream. And then I'd get back. The acceptance guy, he'd take over. Like, get up, make it to the main road. And I finally make it to the main road. Keisha's not there yet. Not there yet. So I collapse, and I start crying, and I'm smacking the pavement, and neighbors come running out. Like, I just look like, like a man possessed, probably. Just losing my mind. Mm-hmm. So that my neighbor's like, what is going on? And I think I tell him what's I don't even remember what I said. Keisha pulls up. Does she know yet? No. You didn't call her. Well, the doctor, when the doctor called me, he's like, I need to talk to Race's family. I need to talk to Race's wife, Keisha. And I told the doctor, I'm like, she's actually picking me up. I can tell her. But I'm not going to tell her unless 100% sure everyone else is dead. Because there's a lot of confusion in this phone call. So I'm like, I'm not telling her anything unless guaranteed everyone else is dead. And he's like, yeah, everyone else is dead. So I'm like, okay, I'll tell her. So I... So I flag Keisha down, and I, I'm, cr- I'm just losing my mind. So I literally just hop in her car, shut the door. I'm, I'm sitting behind Keisha, and Keisha's daughter, Faith, is in the passenger seat. And so I, I don't know how to say it. So I just, I'm crying, and I'm fighting through tears, and I say, there's been a car accident. Everyone's dead except maybe Blue. I just That's how I say it. And my niece, Faith, just, like the whole fight or flight thing, dude, she just took just left the car running, dead sprint, 
she like let out this terrible yelping, screaming sound, and just took out, took off running. How, how old is she? She was sixteen at the time. <clears throat> and then I turn my head, so I see Faith run out, and so I turn my head back to Keisha, and I see Keisha's head drop, and she says, "Oh, my precious Ryder," because she just lost her son, Ryder, along with her husband and Courtney and Frankie and Riggins, but. And so, dude, one of the, and then I had to leave him, dude. So I'm like, hold, I'm trying to get Faith under control. I'm trying to hold Keisha. I'm trying to talk to my parents on the phone. And then my, I asked my buddy Jake, like, you got to drive me. I'm in no condition to drive. You need to drive me to Salt Lake. So he comes and picks me up. And so I have to leave Keisha, dude. And broke my heart. Like, how, I had to, like, maybe Blue's alive. I have to go. I'm so sorry. But I left him there with a bunch of strangers. Um, dude, like, guilt. And I don't know if you've gone through a traumatic experience, Jeff, but, like, there's so much shame and guilt wrapped into trauma. And, like, you think about your trauma long enough, you just find ways to blame yourself. You just do. Like, you think about it long enough, you're like, I should have, I could have. And, like, survivor's guilt, dude, I just, I, Jeff, I wish I was in that car so bad. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish, I wish, I wish it was me and Blue instead of my brother, Race and Ryder, and we were all just gone. Like, just take all of us together. Yep. Leave my fam, leave my brother's family alone. That would have been way easier. I mean, that that point is why I want to talk to you so bad. Dude, like, because how you're sitting here, I think if if I was in your shoes, I'd either be dead or a monk in the Himalayas. But dude, like. And you said something to start this podcast that reminded me of it. But if you were to tell me two years ago, like, hey, you're going to lose your wife, Courtney, your son, Riggins, your daughter, Frankie, your brother, Race, and your nephew, Ryder, and then you're going to be starting a business and a podcast and public speaking a year and a half later, I would have been like, you are insane. I'm going to put a bullet in my head. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not. I'm just going to be a zombie. I ha- how does anyone do that? So, but and one thing I've learned is, dude, people are so resilient. I'm shocked that I'm here. I am. Honest, people ask me, "How are you doing it?" And my answer yeah. is, I don't know. I don't know. But like, if it happened to you, you could probably do it. You, I honestly think that because Jeff, I'm nothing special, dude. I was a kid from Utah, high school basketball coach, making 48k a year. Lost his family. And, dude, like, we, any average Joe, like, you can, whatever you're going through, like, it is possible. You can do it. And, like, let's just cut the bullshit. Like, if you've gone through a traumatic experience, let me, let me just, you're screwed. You are. Like, I swear to God, Jeff, you are. Like, happiness, joy, that life that you used to know, I'm not sure if you're ever going to get back. And what's weird about trauma, Jeff, is you kind of don't want you don't want it back, right? Because the love I had for my wife and kids and my brother and my nephew, it's turned to pain. So if I get rid of the pain, I get rid of them, and then there's a whole bunch of guilt associated. It doesn't make any sense, dude. Because you feel guilty to yeah. even be happy. It's like how, dude? I, and I kid you not, I, was, I love motorcycles. So I was riding my motorcycle the other day, and I'm just beep, beep, having a great time, and then boom, like. That voice in my head, like, Mason, how dare you be happy? Your wife died. Your kids died. Your brother died. Like, how dare you? You should be miserable. You should have never left your bed. 
You should be crying right now. And the guilt and the survivor's guilt is so real, and it just hits you like that and just shuts me down sometimes. Well, do you think the fact that Blue survived forced you to not go that other way? If Blue didn't survive, I would have put a bullet in my head for sure. So he's, he's in a way, he he's your yeah. North Star. Well, and there's, I forget the guy, but motivational speaker that I used to watch a lot, um, he talked about find your why. Like, you need a strong why. And there's, he made, there's like this cool Buster Douglas video he made. It was cool, man. It like, pumped me up. Like, find your why. And uh, Blue's my why. And it was weird because after the accident, I was in this weird limbo, Jeff, where, like, I didn't want to live. Dude, death. I lo- I'm weird, but, like, I, lo- I understand death now. I've accepted it. I find the beauty in it. We need it. It's the per- like, it ties everything together. But, like, I, I had a, the hardest time accepting that, like, the role death plays. And I – and I <laughs> – oh, I'm so messed up, Jeff. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. But, like, one, another thing I've learned is I was caught in this weird limbo. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to die. And so I just numbed the pain. Alcohol, drugs, whatever. It's natural. Yeah. And like, I just, run, I couldn't look at pictures of them. I couldn't talk about them. Couldn't hear their voice in a video. It just shut me down. If I saw police sirens, I'd have to pull over and cry, like panic attack. If I got a phone call from an unknown number, panic attack. It just throw me into a panic attack. I was just helpless against my trauma. I just, it, it owned me for so long. And part of the reason it owned me was I ran from it. I just tried to run from it. I can't deal with this. And I welcome death. Like, if the way I saw death, Jeff, is, okay, if I die, I might get to see him again, which sounds awesome. Or the pain stops. Which, in which a way, sounds, also sounds awesome. Awesome. So, like, when... So, like, that's where I was, dude. Not a healthy mindset to have. But I had blue. I love blue more than anything. Could never do it. And so then I got into therapy. Have you ever done therapy? Just one or two sessions. Dude, I think that the, the mindset we have in our culture with men doing therapy is terrible. We got to change it right away. It's hard. It is. Like, you're, you're not a douchebag. You're, you're not a wimp. You're normal. We're, we're all hurting, dude. Men, gotta, men we struggle to find we our do, feelings. We They're do, good dude. locked up somewhere else. I have such a hard time finding guys to come on my podcast. Yeah. Like, no one wants to, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, what were we talking about, though? Um, survive, come, overcoming it. And, yeah, so I'm in and, this weird limbo. Yes. I'm just running from it, dude. Drugs, alcohol, like whatever. Numb the pain. Numb, Anything to numb it. Numb it. Run from it. And I go to therapy, my therapist, Matt Quackenbush, he's like, Mason, I'll never forget this, Jeff. It was great. He's like, first therapy session. First therapy session, dude. He's like, Mace, uh, he's like, I wouldn't blame you if you took your own life. He's like, I don't think anyone would. And I'm like, it's an interesting thing for a therapist. I'll do it, it, man. Like, you think I'm playing? Like, I'll- <laughs> I'm like, what? And then he said, um, he's like, I wouldn't blame you. He's like, but you know what, Mason? He said, this car accident is not about you, and it's not about Blue. I'm like, this? Like, who is like, I was getting pissed off. I just wanted to hit him. Like, and, like, everything I learned about basketball and teamwork, like, the whole thing, it just came flooding back when he said this. But he's like, 
It's like, Mason, like, you could do that, but you, he's like, you have an opportunity. It's like, you have an opportunity that very few people have. He's like, it, he said, Mason, if you want, you can help so many people. He's like, it's not about you and Blue. It's about 7 billion other people that you now have this weird opportunity. You get to help them. And then he said, I'll never forget this. He said, Mason, tomorrow, someone's going to lose a spouse. Someone's going to lose a, a son or a daughter. Someone's going to lose a brother or a sister. Someone's going to lose a niece or a nephew. You can help all of them. And then he said, Mason, tell me some of the things you're feeling, like some of the, your emotions. I said, I feel helpless. I feel powerless. I named a bunch of other ones. And he said, yeah, he's like, you, so many people feel like that. You are not alone. He's like, you can help so many people. And he said, and he explained it to me. He's like, Mason, like, you think opportunity comes from good things, like hard work or things kind of line up and you get this mm -hmm. opportunity. He's like, Mason, it's not how life works at all. Like, Opportunities can come from the worst situations. And they usually do. And they, that's what he said. And he's, like, and he's like, Mason, what you have here, as bad as it is and as unfair as it is, you have an opportunity. Yeah. And that whole conversation took two minutes out of an hour-long therapy session. I don't remember what we talked about the other 58 minutes, but I remember like I remember leaving his therapy session kind of like halftime the coach pumped you up like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah. And then I kind of, from that moment, I kind of fell into the stoicism stuff. So I, I don't know if you get into the stoic philosophy stuff at all, but I started reading all, I read the book Obstacle is the Way, I fell in love with the stoicism thing. And I remember, I remember I came across this quote, Marcus Aurelius quote, that says, when death smiles at you, all a man can do is smile back. It's a great quote. And it, like, hit me. And I realized, like, death's been laughing at me, smiling at me for a year as I've been running away from it. And, like, therapy and other things and my desire to want to help people made me turn around and smile back at death. Mm -hmm. And like, all right, bring it on. Like you thought taking my family away would cripple me? Like, actually, no. Like you screwed up, fate. You should have never done this to me because I'm going to make something great from this. Yep. I'm going to help so many people that you're going to rue the day that you took my family. And that's kind of that's been my mindset from stoicism is like life's not fair. It's brutal but what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And from that mindset, I, my dad sent me this quote, my favorite quote, life's 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. And that like, yeah, that's my whole thing. And the name of your podcast. That's, yeah, that's the name of my podcast. That's the name of the company we're starting, the public speaking. That's the name of everything. 1090. That, like 1090. life's 10% what happens to you. All you can control is what are you going to do about it? That's the real test of a man. Mm -hmm. And what's really brutal and unfair about life is, dude, pain is guaranteed from the womb. You're born into this world screaming and crying. It's full of pain. Happiness, joy, that stuff's not guaranteed, dude. Like, good luck. And you might have moments where you're in it. Mm -hmm. But life is pain. And the true test of a man is how you're going to handle that pain, at least in my opinion. Well, and everyone's version of success is different, yeah. right? Like success for me is different what success for you is and how you define it. Mm -hmm. And so often in the journey towards whatever we're aiming for and whatever our goals are, the setbacks, the experiences, the traumas, the, the difficulties knock us off course. Mm -hmm. 
and I mean, you're, you're the exceptional exception of how you've overcome something that would beyond cripple most. I mean, I can't, I can sit here and talk to you. I can listen. I can hear you say, yeah, you know, you'll find, you'd find it or people are resilient. I, and I'm a strong-minded individual who I'm sitting here telling you everyone can be successful in the success formula and overcome adversity. That level of adversity is something I, it's like the size of space. I, I just can't, my brain can't quantify how. But like, um, what's your, what do you, what's your famous thing again? What's your, your bowl thing? What is Ever it? Bowl? Ever bowl. Dude, like, if you told me, like, Mason, you got to start a very successful business, I'd be like, I can't. There's no, no it's way. It's just start a business. The I can't do that. Out. Like, you look at me, and you're like, I can't do that. I look at you, and I think the same thing. Like, I, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> it's all the same, dude. We're all doing the same thing. We're trying. And one of the things that, dude, okay, one of the things I hate is, dude, this happens to me all the time. How, how long are your podcasts? How long 45 minutes to an hour. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, you can just cut me off whenever. It's not going to happen. Keep rumbling. But, dude, like, one of the things people tell me is they come up to me. Like, hey, I lost my – the first thing they say is, I haven't experienced anything you've experienced, but I lost my brother, I lost my wife, or I lost my – I'm like, just the saddest things. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like – okay. The the victim game. Yep. Th- this is a big thing we're at with ten or 1090. It's like you can't be the victim of your trauma. And – it's not an excuse for you not to try hard. Like, despite what's happened to me, I still have to set goals. I still have to be a good dad. I still have to sacrifice. I still have to be a kind person. I can't just do whatever I want now. Yeah. Like, the world took everything from me. It owes me nothing. That's why it's brutally unfair. I still have to get off my ass and work hard. And so people who play the victim card drives me nuts for a couple of reasons. One is, if I play the victim card with my family, I think it's totally disrespectful to my family. I do. I think mm-hmm. it's totally disrespectful to them. How dare I say I can't do this because they like they wouldn't want me to do that. My wife would no. No way. And and like and that's the tough thing is we're trying to create a space, a healthy space for guys or anyone to open up like I'm hurting. I need yep. to talk to someone. This is not good. But not being a victim. And it's a hard, it's a weird yin and a yang. Like, where's that balance? Because we don't want to be the victim, but we Correct. also need to express our pain. And so it's a hard, like, teeter totter to balance that. Well, being out. vulnerable and victim are different. Yeah, and and dude, like, it's hard. It's that's a hard line. Yeah, why is it so hard? Because victim is easier. I think a lot of people or what's relish the difference? In, well, victim is poor me. It's out of my control. Vulnerable is I recognize it's out of my control. What can I do? What can I do? And I'm willing to face the pain of whatever it is or the reality of whatever it is to achieve. Yeah. And that's what I find as I go through what I'm going through with people and helping them become successful in different, more entrepreneurial business, less on the personal side. And I'm not a therapist, so I have zero training or skills on that. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, but... (laughs) I can like talk to dog. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I like basketball. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I can but. start a company, but <laughs> family stuff. Yeah, dude. But I hate the like the whole victim thing. But it we, plays both ways. No, I, yeah. Oh, we, I can't I can't do this because. I can't do this yeah. because. I can't do this. It's like, listen, dude, like you can't get a job, do do all this stuff, and then when it comes like crunch time, time for you to deliver, you're like, oh, my family died. Like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, no, no. You took the job. You said you could do it. You got to get it done. Yeah. And that's like, that stuff, like, 
drives me nuts, dude. Well, I, I, I speak to entrepreneurship classes in college, and I try to explain to them that in every movie that you like, the hero has to almost die or the town or it has to almost fail because they have to persevere through it. That yeah. storm has to happen so we can win in the end. It's just required. And most people quit or victimize themselves at that storm. And it's not anywhere near like it won't matter in five years. Oh, COVID ruined my business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> in 10 years, you won't even remember about that. Or For sure, I lost this customer because the plane was delayed and I missed my flight and I missed the big opportunity and it ruined me because that was my dream job. Right. Nothing like losing your family and, situation. And, and Jeff, like, dude, dude, that's like, let's say, hey, COVID ruined my business. That might be 100% true. He might be right, mm -hmm. but that mentality is for losers. You Correct. can't have that mentality. If your mentality is like, okay, despite COVID, what could I have done better? Mm -hmm. or what sh That mentality is where you learn from failure and where you're able to grow. And that's like, like dude, like I'm, I think failure is great. Every kid needs to experience failure and take accountability. And like, that's how you get better. But now it's just turned into like, oh, like, you're not doing good in school. It's the teacher's fault now. Sure, of course. Like what? what? No. It's easier to point. <laughs> what? Yeah, and like that whole thing. Like that's part of the 1090 message. Is okay. Take a story as sad as mine, and I keep going every day. Mm -hmm. And like when people like, dude, we got some haters out there that don't like. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's when you know like you're making some noise finally. When you're pissing some people off. Like, I kind of want to piss people off. Like, if Mason Sawyer can keep going, then what excuse do I have? Well, yeah, you actually take the excuse away. That's what You're I'm trying to do. You're the example Honestly, that that's, says, like, what I'm trying to do. Like, like I go home tonight, and I'm going to be frustrated. Like, if or, you're not a good dad like, tonight, like, shit. screw you, dude. Yes. Like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Like, if I don't yeah. go home and kiss my, my daughters and hold them tight and just be thankful that they're here. Yeah. It should be that way every day. Dude, and, and when we do our... And I do my 1090 stuff with, with Ryan, who, who's our producer, and then my good buddy, Sam Josie, who's our co-host. And, like, dude, um, just the perspective shift we give people. That's the number one thing people tell us after we do our public speaking stuff is yep. whether it's for their business or for their, whatever it is that people, they tell us that. Like, dude, you just shifted our whole perspective. Thank you. That, that's usually the responses we get. No, it's like, I mean, it's incredible. And the business, I want to I want to touch a little bit on the business. See, but here's the, the thing. 1090 business. All right, what? What do you got? I, I want to know about it. So we got the podcast. I, I do too. I don't, well, listen. Come on. <laughs> um, Like the 1090 thing, like it's, it's not a, it's not attached to like a bank account or mm -hmm. like a trip to Maui for me. It's attached to my wife and kids and my, so like. The the business side is really weird for me because I don't I don't want a yacht or a big house. I'm I just have a message that means you want to amplify. It. Yeah, that's all it is. Yes. And I know nothing about but business. That's what's great about it. Success. Success for you is that. Yeah. Where someone else's success might be a private jet, and right. someone else's success but might then be it's to weird inspire because it's like, a thousand. Well, people. if I had a private jet, I could get my message. It's like so. It's well, like, it's I will like tell you this thing, dude. I hate it. I will, I hate I will it. tell you, the more money you accumulate. Yeah, I know. I've I've been told. The more you can it. do. I know. It's just like, 
think of it from my perspective. You don't care about the money. Right. Like, let's say, like, let's say what happened to me happened to you. Heaven for, like, it won't. Like, let's pray it never does. But let's say it happens. And then you have a cool message. Someone wants you to, like, hey, come to my company and share your message. How much do you charge? Wouldn't that make you, like, what would you say to them? Well, I can't put myself in the position to know what how What would feel. you say to them? But right now, I would, I would, say, I would say to you. No, 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 get off the fence. What would you do? If you were me. I would charge them. Yeah, but it's like, so this is what I tell them, like, uh, yeah, and they ask me how much you charge, I'm like, this is, I usually tell them, like, whatever you want. That's what I used to do on stage. And dude, I I said yes. I get paid, like, 200 bucks or Or $2,000 or free. And it's just like, (laughs) when I first. It's not good, dude. And the, it's not good. When I first started speaking on stages, I used to just say, "Do you, yeah. what do you charge? I say, yes, is what I charge. Whatever yeah. your budget is, that's what I, that's say. What like, I charge. Whatever like, idea you had, mm-hmm. let's roll with that. But so. I, got in, I got educated, and advisors and mentors taught me, you've got to set the value. I know, I get you But dude, to. let me tell you this story. You have to. Let me tell you another story. Not for you, but for <laughs> your message. Let me tell you this story. So this is right after the funeral. So like, this is like a couple weeks after the accident. And I'm driving by, I'm in Taylorsville, Murray, Utah. Okay. And I'm turning on a Redwood by this gas station. And there's this homeless family. Homeless, wife, husband, wife, couple kids, like, running around behind them in the gas station parking lot. And they have a sign up, homeless, please help. And, dude, I remember driving by them. Like, dude, that is heaven on earth. Like, what else do you need? Put the sign down and turn around and play with your kids. Like, it looked, he, like, dude. You have everything. Mm-hmm. I and it was like, and so when people ask, like the whole business thing, I honestly, I can't even. I've been trying to help get people like, hey, take care of that for me. It, yep. it, it's a mess, and with my trauma and with my anxiety and with my PTSD, I got issues, dude. I'm, <laughs> I got a lot of shit I got to handle. Sure. So when people say, "What's the business?" I honest to God don't know. That's okay. And Ryan and Sam, they schedule everything, and they just call me like, hey, you're going here this week. I'm like, okay. But that's okay. Dude, I was on your podcast. I forgot what your thing it's was. Okay that's too. who I am. I don't know what's going on. I work off three hours, three-hour increments. That's yep. me. But that's <laughs> that's a, trauma. But that's a formula for you to keep going. For sure. Okay. Can I say one more thing about my formula? Please. Okay. Say as many things as you want. And I got this from my therapist. And, dude, I knew this my whole life through sports. It's weird. Like I knew the whole thing, but my therapist told, like, retold me, and like, that sounds legit, man. But my therapist, is like Mason, like, it's we over me, and he's right. And like, trauma makes you so selfish. Like I just wake up and I think of my wife, and then my son, and then my daughter, and all the memories we had, and what they would be currently doing today, and how old they would be, and what our day to day schedule would be like today. So I get through that, and then I think, so I, and then I get to my brother, and so like I get through. I don't remember what we're talking about. What were we talking about? We over. Okay, so we versus me. So I get like trauma makes you so selfish. Like that's in my mind all day, and like it literally took me three to four months, maybe longer, Jeff, to like, oh, my parents are hurting too. Like think of my parents; they just lost son, daughter in law, three grandkids. Like, it like took me forever to be like. Oh, they're hurting too. And my therapist like re like restated the idea of we over me. The minute I started doing public speaking 
and podcasting and helping other people, the minute I forgot about me and started trying to connect and help other people, dude, that like saved me, man. That was like, and so it was kind of like my why went from blue, like, hey, you can't kill yourself because of blue. It went from that to you can help so many people, dude. And that's kind of like my new, now I have blue and like the 1090 purpose. And my therapist, I... I remember asking my therapist, Jeff, I'm like, I love my therapist. He's so <laughs> real. He's so raw. I love it. I remember asking, like, dude. Has he been on your show? He has. Yeah. And I've been on, he has a podcast that I've been on. We're, we're buddies, dude. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so he, he was talking, I forgot what I was talking about. We Over Me? We Over Me. And um, yeah, so my therapist told me, he's like, Mace, like, if you help other people, it's going to take the spotlight from your own individual demons. And it's going to like, I don't, I can't even explain it, dude. Mm -hmm. But like, and, and I don't even believe in like the literal God or Jesus. Like, I don't think I don't, but like the message of Jesus is like (laughs) spot on, dude. Like love, love your neighbor, love your enemy, Mm -hmm. the golden rule. That's that it, that's, that's it, dude. I'm full of so much pain and agony and regret and survivor's guilt that love and helping others and we over me is has saved me, dude. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on the Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbull, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. Well, I think the business side of the 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 message, the the vision that you see or you're trying to do as that being where I have more expertise in my life and yeah. I feel comfortable to more comfortable talking about it, you need to build it if not for you, for them, because God forbid I was in that situation, I need a Mason Sawyer's message to lean on to find that yeah. that roadmap. If you don't do it, then we have to wait for someone else who's been devastated with pain and, and hurt to do it, right? Yeah. So the fact that you are doing that, the fact that you are speaking and going up there, it's not that you don't want to spread the message because doing it for free is obviously you think everyone's going to hear it. The problem is no one's going to hear it because you're going to run out of resources. And people don't know what they don't know. They don't hear what they don't hear. The more louder, the more and louder you can spread that message, that resilience, that perseverance, 
those qualities, that formula that you're using to succeed now. And that your success is not money. Your success is to spread that message and be that, that resource for these people that need it. Because unfortunately, you are living what is the, the ultimate nightmare for a parent. Yeah. And, and nobody, can, uh, nobody who is a parent can think about what they would do because we just don't know. And we don't want to know. But in that dark tunnel, that message is there. And it's true even simpler, right? Like that message doesn't have to just be for the ultimate traumas. Dude, it could be for sports. It could, it could be, be for, for business. Dude, that's Michael what, Jordan didn't make dude, his high school team. He could have yeah, quit. Dude, when we do our public speaking gigs, we go to high schools, universities, elementaries, law firms, construction companies. Mm-hmm. We, dude, the, the trauma of death is intertwined with any obstacle in life that it, it, it allows us this really cool platform. Like we can go talk to anyone. Yep. <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. Well, and death is the ultimate, but there's so many challenges we all and what in a way you you also take away all of the energy behind all of the excuses that the rest of us have yeah all of the victimhood the rest of us have like you said after hearing your story if i was at an event and i heard you on stage and i came home to realize that i didn't land that big client (laughs) and it was bothering me i would feel like a piece of shit i'd be like this man lost his family <laughs> and he's standing here yeah. with the fortitude and ability to talk about it. And it's important, I think, for people listening to this show and learning about your story for the first time and having their own challenges and saying, yeah, it's easy for most of the guests that are on here are succe- like successful financially. And that's more what we talk about to say, oh, it's easy. You have money and it's easy to make money when you have money and it's easy to be successful if you have all these degrees. And I don't have all those things and I'm not the smartest or I don't have the relationship capital and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. And the truth is you don't need it because you actually have more than you realize. And those are just the barriers that the mental fortitude, that perseverance, the ability to overcome obstacles and keep pushing forward is what success happens. It's how yeah. it happens. You went to Florida and didn't feel like you were going to make it. Did. You didn't quit. Brutal. Brutal. And back then, that was probably the biggest setback for you. Yeah. No, you're, yeah. And you pivoted your your thought. You recalibrated. But let me ask you this, though. Like, the way I honestly see it, it's kind of like, okay, life dealt me a hand, and they took every other card. And the only card I have left is open up, be really vulnerable, try to help as many people. And I, my only option is do I play the card or not? Mm-hmm. Like... And I remember, um, so the accident happened July 25th, 2021. And so July 25th, 2022 was coming up. I'm like, I want to do something on the anniversary. And so I decided to do a speaking gig. Like, I'm just going to talk and just tell people thank you and how I feel. And I did it. And I just, like, I felt so close to my family. And I felt like, they were alive, kind of. Like, I'm showing pictures of them. I'm talking about them. People are crying. And I'm like, dang, like, I loved it, dude. I just loved it. And then people started hitting me up. Like, hey, can you come speak to... I'm like, yeah. And I never said no. I'm like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just kind of grown into this thing. But, And I love the compliments. I really do. Like, that's awesome. I'm glad you think I'm cool. But, dude, like, from my perspective, I don't have another option. Well, I have one other option, and it's a bolt in the head, and it's not good. That's not another option. But like other than that, like, it's, dude, there's a there's a Robert Frost quote I love. Do you know anything about Robert Frost? Just the basics. Dude, this guy 
dude, he lost his dad when he was little. He had a bunch of kids. He lost like four kids. Brutal life, dude. And Robert Frost has some health. He's got some health quotes, dude, like some bangers, bro. And one quote he said. I love that you're a quote guy. Dude, I love quotes. One of the, my favorite quotes. So just think about that. that that's, his, that's his background. Mm-hmm. Lost his dad, multiple kids, to illness, to depression, to suit, like all these things. And he writes, he says, the only way out is through. It's your only way out. You can't run from it. You can't run from the pain. You can't, don't run with excuses and what shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like, no, face the music. Yep. And dude, trauma sucks. It's awful, but is it, it is a gift. And one thing I've learned is if you run from trauma, you run from the gift of it. You're only going to experience the terrible parts of trauma. If you smile back and you face it, dude, there's some good parts of it, man. Mm-hmm. Like being on your cool podcast today. This is a good <laughs> example of it. Like the, if I kept running, this never would have happened. And I honestly think the car accident with my family is meaningless I think life in general is pointless. It's meaningless. It has no meaning. It's up to you to give it meaning. It's up to you. Like you have to get off your ass, figure out what you want to achieve, sacrifice to achieve that thing, and give your life meaning. Car accident with my family. If I would have just packed it in and became an alcoholic and never left my house, which I was really close to doing, the car accident would have been for nothing. Would have improved no one's life with it. It's true. They would have been gone. And I think whatever, wherever you're, if you're listening to this, wherever you're at in your life, that's how you have to view it, dude. Like you have an opportunity, as shitty and as bad as it is. Yep. It's an opportunity, man. And I mean, I, I would say that you've obviously clearly found hope and strength. Yeah. After such a devastating loss, it's clear, like you're still dealing with it. But what do you lean on now? Like, we all, I mean, you still have to get frustrated. I, I, there's still little things that bother you quickly. You probably recalibrate and say, it doesn't matter anymore. To your point, stoicism. But right. how do you continue to find that hope and strength on a daily basis? Um, my son, Blue, helping other people. <clears throat> and then, like, dude, stoicism's helped me understand most things in your life are indifferent. Like, Depending on the perspective you have, it could be good or bad. Even death, like, death is indifferent. Sometimes death is good. Like, the old man struggling with cancer on his deathbed, his wife's been gone, like, he needs to go. Like, sure. sometimes death is good. Sometimes pain is good. Like, most things in your life are indifferent. And figuring out what's not indifferent, meaning figuring out what's good and bad, is really, really important. And Stoicism has taught me there's four main things in your life, no matter what, any t- any date in human history, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years from now, wherever we land, no matter what, these four things are good, no matter what, they're good. And I reiterate that a lot because, like, we live in a world where things change all the time, even, like, with religion. Like, things change all the time. No, like, these four things... And with Stoicism, they say it's um, knowledge. That's It's always good. Obtain knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, justice. Balance in all things. Like, you know, you can... Not too far to the left, not too far to the right. Mm-hmm. And, like, justice... 
I think uh, and courage is the other one. I don't know if I named all four. Courage is the other one. Justice is my favorite. And most people, when they think of justice, they think of the murderer in the movie that got away, and then you catch him, and you bring him to justice. Like, we got him. Yep. That's totally true. That's part of it. But these early Stoics, like Marcus Aurelius, what they've taught me is justice is you've experienced something. Something's happened to you. Or you've obtained knowledge. Like, you know something. And you choose not to tell it. You choose not to talk about it. You choose not to help other people with it. That's injustice. Mm-hmm. It is not okay for you to do that. You need to share what you know. And that's helped me with the 1090 thing and the business side and the podcasting. Is like, hey, I'm doing the world an injustice, actually, if I don't say anything. And like, it's the opposite of my therapist. My therapist told me I have an opportunity to help people. Marcus Aurelius is saying, like, yeah. Like if you choose not to do it, you are actually screwing up. You're that's injustice. So that's that's kind of how, how do I keep going? Yeah. I don't have another I what other option do I have? That's my only option, Jeff. I don't have another option. It's all mm. I got. It's you know, injustice if I don't keep going. Well, I love that. Yeah. And obviously, we all want to support you in this mission and this Thanks, vision man. and this yeah. business. Even though you haven't yet figured out exactly what it is, the it is. It's you. Yeah. It's your message. And for those listening, obviously, share, let them know how they can not only listen to your podcast, but follow you. Yeah. Help. So, we, uh, so our podcast is on all the major, like Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, it's the number 10. You spell out 90, the 1090. Um, and then our Instagram is the 1090 rule. Dude, you know, how, you probably know this. Like, I, I do. When Thanks you're trying them. to like name, like pick a name, everything's taken. Of course. So like gets weird. My like, name's Fenster Jeff. Yeah, like it gets like because there's some other Jeff Fenster. Because we wanted it to be 1090, but then like I looked it up and it's like a math guy. <laughs> he does like math stuff. So I'm like, well, anyway. So it, our Instagram is 1090 Rule. Podcast is just the 1090. Uh, you'll see our logo on there. But dude, our our podcast is pretty heavy, pretty sad. We got some sad stories on there. So if you like sad stories, you might like the 1090 podcast, but it, I some, found, I mean, it's sad, but it's also inspiring. Yeah, I guess it depends how you look at it. It's re- I mean, I obviously in preparation, I listened to a few episodes and yeah. I'm going to be listening more now that I'm a, oh, a thanks, huge man. fan of you and the show and what you guys are spreading. Um, it is sad. Yeah. I mean, of course it's sad, but through sadness is where you kind of I mean, like we we kind of mentioned pre-show, diamonds aren't made on a beach. Right. Right. Yeah, they're made under extreme pressure, yeah, um, and extreme darkness, and that's the message you're spreading. So I want to thank you so much for coming on today, man. It's yeah, man, it's just as awesome. a, to make a friend with you. And sorry, I rambled there for a while, but you dude, know, I'm what are you I'm going to lean on a lot of this myself. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. I mean, I, I've, I've yeah. I'm mentally tough on my own stuff, but emotionally probably not as tough as I need to be. And you're going to be my course correction for a while. I won't lie to you. I, well, that's I, that's, that's a lot of pressure, it. man. I don't. <laughs> you, you did it though. I mean, just learning your story. I, oh, I, we awesome, had this conversation dude. at dinner last night where it's like, your story truly changes the I have tos to I get tos. Yeah, and dang, that's good. I need to. I need to use that. Use it. That sounded like good. It's from you. It just came out that way. You yeah. know, like the, your story is that. It's like you're you like, take that perspective of now I get to do these things yeah. that I don't want to do, but I, I get to do it and. You don't always get to. The day will come where you don't. It's true. And you never know when that is. So, dude, well thank said. you yeah, so man, much for coming fun, on, dude. man. This was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking to level up your relationship capital game, then take a minute and text the word Jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my Network to Millions playbook. The link will also be provided in the show notes below. See you guys next time.